0: Let us pray. O Lord our God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing unto you. Our Lord, our God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Sybil. <laughs> and uh before I share with you uh, this afternoon from the word, I'd just like to give thanks to God first and foremost. God's faithfulness, and God's kindness, that we as a people have been called forth. We have come to receive our Lord Jesus Christ and that we gather here to worship. And we are grateful that the Lord has provided the way in which we are to be here. I also want to just acknowledge um, your pastor, Reverend Peter Judge Mears, who's away, um, for his trust. And as a shepherd of the flock, I'm really grateful to him for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel in your midst. And, and I want to give thanks to God for that opportunity. I also want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers uh, for Drusilla, my wife Drusilla, and we are really grateful um, that the Lord is still in control of our lives and that uh, we we are very grateful. We continue this Sunday over the past consecutive Sundays with the overarching theme of Standing Firm. Each Sunday we've heard from the, uh, the epistle, the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. where Pastor Peter has shared with us with God, from God's word of what that means in terms of the call to stand firm in faith. And today my theme is stand firm by leading a life that is pleasing to God. Lead a life that is pleasing to God. And the question that we have is, how are we to live? How are we to live a life that is pleasing to God? I want to address that question from God's word today as we hear the reading from the epistle reading of 1 Thessalonians A bit of context for this passage. We know that the Apostle Paul and his co partner Silas had journeyed. They proclaimed the gospel at Thessalonica. In a matter of time, about a month, a very short time in space, they proclaimed the gospel and people received the gospel. And a church came into being in Thessalonica. We know that Paul and Silas had to flee from that city because of they were under persecution. And then Paul now sends Timothy to Thessalonica to get news of how the church is travelling. How are the believers, the new believers in Thessalonica, travelling in their faith in God? And he receives news from Timothy that the church not only is travelling well, But the church is actually thriving. It is prospering. Even though despite persecution has taken place, the church is growing. And so Paul here writes in this pastoral letter urging the Thessalonians to press on in their faith. Continue on in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we hear Paul's writing, God's word to the Thessalonians. And I want to invite us to go through just just eight verses of this passage and how God's word is ministering to us. He begins, finally, brothers and sisters, we ask you and urge you in the Lord, Jesus, that as you learnt from us how you ought to live And to please God. In fact, you are doing so now. You should do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have taught you. What is it that has been taught to the Thessalonians? What is it that the Apostle Paul is referring to that has been taught and the instructions that has been given to the Thessalonians? We find in chapter one, this declaration, we proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. We proclaim to you the gospel not only in word, but in power and in the power of the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You receive the gospel you have come to know that your life is now found in Jesus Christ and you have turned away from the worship of idols to the one true living God this is what the Apostle Paul tells the Thessalonians and that you have come to believe and to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the one in whom your salvation is given. And the Apostle Paul then writes, continue in this faith which you have received. What have they received? That he received the message of the gospel. That in the life, death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that Jesus has come, he has died for our sins. As an atonement for our sin, that God has brought us back. And they are to believe, to know what God has done in and through Jesus Christ for us, for the Thessalonians, for you and I. And they are to receive this news with faith. The Apostle Paul writes You have learned, or received the instructions. Continue now more and more to live out this faith. He's writing to the Thessalonians, press on in the faith to which you have been called. And then he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from fornication, that each one of you knows how to control your own body in holiness and honour, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. There no one who exploits a brother or sister in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things and you have already been told and you have been forewarned. For God did not call us to impurity but in holiness." That's really interesting. How is it that the Apostle Paul is speaking of the sanctification of our life? sanctification To be made holy. To be set apart. And he writes to them to abstain from fornication, and sexual immorality. You see, the call here for the Thessalonians and to each one of us that we are to receive the good news. That we receive the good news that in Jesus Christ we are offered life. And that when we believe and have faith in him We are reconciled, we are justified before God. We are redeemed by his atonement, his death on the cross. He died for our sins. That he set us free from the hold of sin and death. And then we are sanctified, set to be made holy. Set apart from sin to God. sanctification, Holiness and separation. You have been set apart. You have come to life in faith in Jesus Christ. And he writes to the Thessalonians that you are to abstain To know this faith, that's a very difficult thing to hear. He tells the Thessalonians that they are to learn to control their own bodies, not out of lustful passion, but in holiness and in honour to God. This is the call and the process of sanctification, being sanctified in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. An ongoing process. By whom? Not by us. Certainly not by the Thessalonians. They cannot sanctify themselves in relationship to God. This is a work of God. In God's spirit we hear in this passage. For you are given the Holy Spirit that you are called forth and made to the likeness more and more of Christ. They have been sanctified, made holy, set apart as a people of God, through whom God wills his salvation to be proclaimed. This is the will of God, he says to them. That you abstain from fornication? Fornication is any relationship, sexual relationship, outside of the covenant relationship of marriage. We know that. And he tells them, why is he identifying this in a strange way? Because in the culture, the Greco-Roman culture of the Thessalonians, in this time, in that darkness, there were no... Sexual moral boundaries. And in the Christian church, in the very heart, the apostle is writing to a pastoral issue that is going on in the church of believers who have come into the faith. That is, they come to believe in Christ. Their old life has gone. They have died. They have turned away from the worship of idols to the one true living God in knowing that Jesus Christ has died for their sins and set them free. They are now to live this life in a way that is honouring and pleasing to God. How do they do that? Certainly not by their own merit, certainly not by their own efforts to justify and to sanctify their lives. We're given in this passage... That you have to- turned to one true God, the true living God, who gives you the Holy Spirit, who is indwelling in you. They have been called. They have been justified and sanctified in Christ. And as the sent people of God, they are to go forth and to proclaim the good news. It's interesting because when we hear this call, that you must learn to control your body in holiness and honor. In the rabbinic teaching, in the Hebrew tradition, we find the teaching on the impulses of a person. Every person born is shaped by these two forces according to the Talmudic teachings of Judaism. One is called the good inclinations, the Yetzah Hatov, and the other is known as the evil inclination, which is known as the Yetzah Hara. As a human being we are born and these two inclinations are in our lives. Now as human beings, the belief is that they have been given the law, God's law, in order to live according to the will of God. It is God's law, which is the gift, that holds these two things in balance. That is the evil inclination of aggression of hate of evil and the good inclination and so they saw a way in which these these impulses are held in check according to the teaching of the torah so hence as a child grows from the age of once the age of 12 to 14 they go through the ceremonies the bar mitzvah in which the child becomes a child of the law Believing that the evil inclination, the good inclinations are the forces that shape the human life. And the people of God are blessed for the, by their law. The Gentiles have no hope. They are governed by their natural primitive impulses as human beings. They have no hope. And there's no doubt That this is in the background particularly for the Jewish believers who have come into the church. And no doubt it is also part of the dilemmas as they come to faith, as they leave the old life and go into the new life in the renewal and their sanctification to live now in a way that pleases God. And so, from a Jewish mindset, the Gentiles... Are without hope. They are governed by their natural inclinations, which is just evil. The children of Israel are blessed because the Torah, the law, the expressed will of God has been given in order to shape to bring the child according to the way of the law. We know the situation. There's a dilemma. We would know that in Paul's letter in Romans 7 we find that in a struggle where Paul states out, my mind knows the law of God and my heart desires to do the will of God, but I see in my member another law at work in my life. But sin. There's nothing good in me, he says. But sin. Even when I desire what is right before God, I cannot do it. I do what I do not want to do. The very thing that I hate, it is what I do. And he d- puts forth this dilemma of a human being, of how to live a life before God. And then he says, a wretched person that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it is in through Christ Jesus. So here we find the Apostle Paul and his writing to, to show the believers that if those of you who are now leading, believing that you've come to faith in Christ but yet at the same time hold to the law as a, as a backup in case that things don't work out. He says, no, the law has been fulfilled. You are now called by God received by God and you have heard the gospel you received in faith and now you walk the life of faith the apostle Paul tells him and as you do that it is the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit at work in your lives to, you holy, to sanctify you to set you apart to make you holy for God's purpose We find in chapter 1, the apostle writes, urging the people of Thessalonica, encouraging them that you live a life worthy of God and his calling on your life and the calling to his kingdom. And here he exhorts them how to live your life in order to please God. How are they to to pursue the path of holiness and separation. They are to grow in the likeness of Christ by the free, unmerited grace of God at work in their lives. For Paul understands that in a conflict that there's nothing that you and I can do to contribute to our salvation. Nothing. Nothing. But the sheer grace of God in Jesus Christ who comes to us. We have God who reached out to offer life to us than the old life we have died to. We are renewed. We are regenerated to the new life in Christ. The Apostle Paul's favourite saying, in Christ." You now live a new life even if you believe the remedy for this life in the flesh is the law that's not the case. It's now in Christ Jesus and Christ alone that your life is given to you as a gift. The new life we find in Romans chapter 12, the call Uh, by the apostle that you have now come to the new life offer yourself as a living sacrifice honouring and honourable to God and we know what comes after that do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may know the will, the perfect will of God, of the heavenly father the Thessalonians a growing is a church. In the church, you've got Jewish, you've got Greeks, you've got Gentiles coming into this faith community, to the church, and now they are called all to be in Christ. Our justification, in Christ. Our salvation, in Christ. Our sanctification, our being set apart, in Christ, by the work of of the Holy Spirit indwelling in your lives. Do not, that's what Paul, I believe, is saying to the Thessalonians, trust in your own merit. Do not even trust in the fact that you can fulfil the law, but you can't. The law leads you to a point where you need to hear your Saviour, the Gospel, Jesus Christ. And he says to them, now you must push forth, press on with your faith, don't look to your to the world. Don't look to the world in order to define how you are to live. How are we to live? Hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are set apart to be made holy in the truth of God. By the work of the Holy Spirit. And as you are sanctified in the truth... You are called forth to live in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen Lord, who will return. Jesus made it very clear to his followers. He prayed for them. He prayed for his disciples on that dawning of his being handed over to journey to the cross at supper, he prays for his disciples his high priestly prayer. He prays for his disciples. Father, that you may protect these whom you have given me. I ask you not to take them from the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in your truth. The call here of the apostle in God's word, they are now to look to Jesus Christ alone. Wherever they have come from, in the Thessalonians, in the church, where you've got so many people from different walks of life, different journey, wherever you have come from, You have been called forth by the living God. You have heard the gospel. You have received. You have accepted in faith. Now, live this life. That life is a life of abiding, it's a relationship. Relationship. We don't sanctify ourselves, we don't do that to ourselves. Sanctification is not about a new haircut. Or something new. It's the renewal from within. It is the conversion of the will of a life to accept through what? The process of what the Thessalonians have received. They've heard the gospel. Repentance. Metanoia, turning to God. Received in faith they journey in the ongoing journey of progressive sanctification. They become more and more in the image of God, in the likeness of Christ. That's at the heart. It's not something that we do for ourselves. It's something that is done for us. By the merit of Jesus Christ alone, by the grace of God. Stand firm. Live a life that is pleasing to God. So how are we to live this life? Relationship by abiding in Christ. Abide in Christ, first and foremost. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, in speaking of his discipleship as the one true vine. He tells his disciples, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Every branch that does not bear fruit is cut down and burnt. Any branch that bears fruit is pruned so that it bears more fruit. Do you remember that story? We're all familiar with that story? Yes. Then Jesus says to them, abide in me as I abide in you. For just as a branch cannot grow without abiding in the vine, so that you cannot grow apart from him and then the word says because apart from me you can do nothing how are we to live a life that is pleasing to god it's not something that we can depend on us to do for ourselves it's a submission of faith we hear the gospel we receive we believe in faith we do the walk we walk a journey of trusting faith, and as we trust in faith, the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit to renew, to reform within us, to become more and more in the image of Christ. It is a relationship that you are called to. Just like the Thessalonians, they are not called to look at their society, a permissive society, with our boundaries on sexual activities they're not called to do that what are they called to do look to christ who is the truth and be set apart by this truth of god can we do it for ourselves no we can't but what what can we do we can live the new life in christ What about us here today? What about the Church of Christ today? Look outside the church. Look inside the church. We are now in a world in which same-sex marriage has been legalised. We're now in a world where so many policies are undergoing great changes. There are very little boundaries. Are we to look to the world, like the Thessalonians? Are they to look to the world to work out how they are to live? Apostle so Paul tells them, no, no, no. You are to look to Christ. Don't be of the world. He writes here. Learn to allow control, to abstain. Abstain? Can someone help me out? What's the word abstain mean? Reframe. What's another stronger word for reframe? Stop, Stop it. What's another one? Yeah, very good. Yes, avoid it at all cost. Yeah, abstain. He says here, and he says, don't look at things and with you know with with with, with, with this unbridled passion like Gentiles. He's saying, no, no, no. Don't look beyond outside there. Don't look to the world in order to find your bearing. No. You look to Christ who died, died for you. And I wonder whether the church today and the similar situation in our world today as it was for the people of Thessalonica I think is not dissimilar. Our calling. Stand firm. Live a life that is pleasing to God. How? by abiding in relationship to Jesus Christ, trusting in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we walk humbly, always giving thanks to God in all circumstances because he leads the way. Amen.